All right, well, I'm so glad you were joining us for this month's BP Leadership Lesson. The title of this lesson we have for you is How to Make Better Decisions. I hope you're ready. Now let's dive in and see what Bill has to say. All right, today I want to pick up and share with you a lesson today that I think will help you. It's something we all have to do. It's called How to Make Better Decisions. You know, all of us make decisions. The key is, are we making better decisions? And, and if we can learn how to make better decisions, we get a better life and we can make, we can do what we call move the ball in our life. Decision making, I believe, is one of the most important jobs of any leader. We all know that, but it's also the area that causes most leaders the most problems. And it's hard sometimes to come to the, the fact, and this is a fact and realization, that you'll very rarely have enough information to be 100% certain that you're making the right choice. If you're waiting to get 100% certainty that that decision is right, the chances are you're not going to get it. And you'll miss the timing. I've always found that when I've got about 80% of the information I need, I can go ahead and act then. If I'm waiting for that 100% by the time everything is perfect, I've usually missed the timing. So I encourage you to understand it's, you're never going to get it 100% right. That's okay. I asked one of the most respected leaders you can know one time. We were just having a one-on-one -on -one conversation, and I said, is everybody in your organization on board? Because his company made like the number three every year on best places to work for. And I said, is everybody on board? And he said, no. He said, if we can get 51% on board, we get to advance. He said, we don't have it. I wish we did. And that really gave me encouragement because I thought, I think I got maybe 85 or 90% on board. And this guy's saying 51%, he can, he can live with that. So that's one of the things you need to know about decision making. Now, sometimes though we think, well, no decision is safe. Let me help you. No decision is, leaves you in the valley of indecision, which takes you to Death Valley, okay? It won't take long before you'll be out of business if you don't start making some decisions. I'm going to use a Bible character for just a moment, just a statement that he makes. Um, in 1 Kings 18, there's a guy whose name is Elijah, and one day he got sick of the people standing on the fence. And what he said to him was this, how long will you halt between two opinions? He was saying to them, if God is your God, then serve God. If he's not, then serve Baal. But how long are you going to sit on the fence? And I think that's the key we've got to ask when we come to making decisions. The question is, how long will we take to make it? Let me ask you this question. Do you know anybody that finds it real hard to make decisions? They just find it hard. They agonize over it. They struggle over it. And is that person you? <laughs> if that's you, then let me, I want to give you some help today. And if you know somebody who can't make good decisions, you may be like a friend of mine who said it one day. He had messed up a, a hundredth time. And, and I said to him, what's it going to take? He said, Bill, I've figured out something. I'm really good at making bad decisions. And I thought, you know, that's, that's the truth of a lot of people. I'm really good at making bad decisions. So let me jump right in. Why we fail to make good decisions? Here's a couple of reasons. Number one, we fail to see or choose to ignore a problem. We fail to see or choose to ignore. We, we don't even see there's a problem. Have you ever talked to somebody before, whether it's a child or an employee, and you see a problem and you tell them, they don't even know it exists. What are you talking about? It's always been this way. And so in many cases, we always have the problem and we never fix anything because we don't even know there is a problem. And I've often said it this way, you'll never solve a problem that you do not see. Your job is not solving the problems as much as it is getting your people to see the problems. 
You can get them to see it first, then you can solve it. But if they don't see it, chances are real good they're never going to solve it. Now, number two, we fail to get to the root of the problem. The reason we don't make good decisions sometimes is we, we don't dig deep enough. We don't say, let's see what's under there. Let me figure out the whys. Let me, let me know where that goes to. Sometimes we make a surface problem and we, we a surface answer to a problem and we think that's it and it keeps coming up again. And some of the reason is we fail to pursue all the facts. We fail to, to question the assumptions. And I want to know when somebody tells me something, why you can, who gave you the authority to say it? Have you done anything to do that? And what kind of track record they have and what's their decisions like in their life? I want to know those things. And so that's one of the things. And then I think sometimes we just take things at face value. We just assume we heard it. We don't check it out. I would encourage you to check it out. I learned this when I pastored for 36 years, thousands of people. Everybody's different, and everybody sees things through their eyes. And so I had to learn how to sit down with people and just listen. Not to go in with a presumed answer that I'm just going to give you, but to say, let me listen. And oftentimes in listening, I would think, hmm, what I thought was the problem wasn't really the problem. What I was giving them the answer for in advance was not really going to help them. And so the more I listened, I, I would often say, oh, there's that aha moment. That's it. And so I say to you, there's a need for us to go deep enough to figure out why we're getting those. Number three, third reason why I think we fail to make good decisions is we fear the consequences of correcting the problem. We fear the consequence of correcting it. That is, we're afraid we may hurt somebody's feelings. You know, I don't want to hurt somebody. And we're, I think it's good and it's important to be nice. It's very, it's very commendable to be as compassionate and kind and, and, and respectful. And you can do all of that but still solve problems. If your fear of hurting somebody's feelings is, is where you are, you won't lead long until you can change that. Sometimes we, we, uh, we may have to make a crucial change. A lot of people don't make change well, and a lot of people know that uh, when, when we make a change, when I used to make changes before, I'd say, how many bodies is this going to cost me? How many, how many is going to die on this hill? And how many do we lose it? Because I knew every decision I ever made, I was going to lose people. I mean, I made decisions before that were good decisions that people would be applauding, and I'd have people walk up and say, I'm leaving, and they'd quit. And, and I've had that over and over. So I always knew there was always... Yes, there was a great group that was on board, and there was some that you lose. You've got to be willing to do that if you're going to grow. And then sometimes we're afraid because personally, we feel if we make a decision and, it's, and, and we act on that, that we have failed in some area, that we're saying, let's radically change this and let's make this move, or we got a problem, and it reflects on our leadership. And the problem is you, you've got to get past worrying about your image and your perception and don't be afraid to make mistakes. If you knew all the mistakes that we've made, in fact, in my leadership, I can promise you, I, if I ever took a lesson and just did all the mistakes I made, it'd take longer than the time we have. I made one one time where I walked into a room with a board of people and all the, the whole board said, I want to know who made that stupid decision today. And everybody was livid. They were angry. That was the dumbest decision I've ever seen. And they were just off the chart. And I said, that would be me. I made that decision. Now, if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't make it, but I learned at the same time you learned, that was probably the dumbest decision I've made in a long, long time. And I offended thousands of people with that decision. And they said, what are you going to do? How are you going to fix it? And the next week, I had to stand up and I corrected it. Who's to blame? And everybody was mad. Here he is. 
You get your stones, take a few minutes, start throwing. I, I'm a big boy. We can tell. It was my bad. I had more people come to me after that time that said, I'm the leader of my company, and I've never done that, but I needed to do that. I saw how the whole atmosphere changed the moment you owned it. But if you're afraid that it's going to make you look bad, um, I, I promise you if, you, if you, if you do that, it'll put a lid on how far you go. Number four, we fail to consider the alternatives. Sometimes we don't make decisions because we don't really realize there are other decisions we can make. You know, we need to ask, what are all the possible solutions? And so here's some considerations. Accept the fact that you're going to make bad decisions sometime. You're going to. Uh, a respected leader was once asked, how'd you learn to make so many wise decisions? He said, I made and learned from so many of my bad decisions. I, I, if you, you know, if you fall down, pick up something while you're down there. Learn something. G gain something out of it so that you can not fall down again, and maybe you can help somebody else from not falling. As a leader, by the way, let me tell you one of the things that you'll find, and I learned this one early on, and it was not a, it, it didn't, I, it made me understand now why, why I was where I was. As a leader, most of your decisions, I'm going to say 85 to 90% of your decisions, anybody could make. Anybody could make them. They're not that hard. Most of the decisions that I, I used to make when I was pastoring a church and even in BPL, anybody can make those decisions. They're not hard. You get paid for about the 10% of the decisions that nobody has the courage to make, nobody wants to take the heat for, or that the company has to make, and, uh, and you're the lone ranger. You get paid for making those tough calls. You get paid for making those things that others don't. The buck does stop there with you. So you can't pass the buck and you can't pass the blame. And so you've got to say, I'm willing to take this because I get paid for that. I've got to have the guts to make the decision nobody else wants to make. I remember one time I had to fire a guy that had a violent temper. And the last two people he worked for, he actually attacked them. I mean, literally attacked them. I didn't know that until after I'd hired him. And there was some problems down the road. And then somebody told me, did he work for you? I said, yeah. And I didn't know any bad about it. And they said, you know, he hit the last employee in the face. And they said, now, you know, Bill, you know, that's the kind of guy nobody wants to work with. And he was a violent, he was a really aggressive. I liked him, but, you know, he was a little intimidating to some people. And I remember when I had to fire him. And, and so I intentionally that day wore casual clothes because I thought, if I got a fight with him. <laughs> and I walked him in the office and said that. And, I, you know, I was ready. I mean, I, I didn't want to. I mean, I, you know, I... You know, I did that when I was younger all the time, but, you know, I'm old now. And so I was just thinking, I wonder if I can take a punch. And, I, and, I, and so I had to let, I said, you know, I got to let you go. And I remember he gritted his teeth. He looked at me. He said, you want to do what? And then he said these words that made me know that he should be gone. He said, you know who I am? And I said, no, not in your eyes. He said, I'm the franchise. What he was saying is, I'm the, I'm the big kahuna. That's when I thought. If I have to fight you get you out of here, I will. And so I walked him out. Now, what I'm saying is you're going to have to make some calls sometime in your life that are not going to be easy. They're going to be messy. By the way, sometimes you're going to make calls that you can't even tell anybody else why you had to make it, and you're going to have to do it. Speaking of that, I had to let a guy go one time that was on a board, and he was, he was not doing things right at all. I mean, he, he was loved by everybody, but he couldn't figure out who his wife was, where he had to go home the next week and all that. And we couldn't have that in church. So when I, when I decided to let him go, 
I knew how that was going to go. I said, as soon as I let him go, he's so loved, I'm going to get a whole lot of hate. And I bet you I had 200 emails and hate letters. And people walked by. One man walked by me, him and his wife, and stopped at the back door and said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. And was so mad at me. Now, I was 100% in the right. He was 100% in the wrong. But I could never speak up. If I had, it would have made him look worse. And it made me look small. And so I just waited. Within six months, from the next six months to the next year, all of a sudden I get all these emails now. Oh, now that I know, I'm so sorry, I love you. I don't know about you. I, that's the part I deal with, you know. I deal with the part of, you know, you criticize on the front end, then all of a sudden you're going to love me on the back end. It, what, where was this trust at to start with? And so I say to you, sometimes you're going to make some calls that you can't even explain. Sometimes you're going to have to tell people some things that, you know it's got to be private, and you may take the hit for it. It may be messy. But if you're a leader, make that call. Don't be afraid to make the big call. Number, here's how you make better decisions. Let me give you some ways. Number one, base the decision on the mission of the organization. Put the company, the organization, the business first. If you'll take care of it, it'll take care of you. Do what's best for the, for the mission of that organization. If, if you do that, you can keep some guidelines and boundaries to getting where you want to be. Number two, define the problem. Now, if you don't know clearly what the problem is, here's one way to get near it. Ask the opinions of the people in the organization who have a history of making good decisions. If you see other people that are close to it and they, they've always brought you good advice, ask them. Bring them in and ask. Now, we got this particular problem... Tell me, where's this coming from? Do you feel this? Do you see this? What's going on? And ask them. Let them recognize and solve problems with you. If they're the kind of people that they value that organization and its mission, you'll, you'll get better insight in that kind of counsel. And, and seek, by the way, seek constructive um, uh, advice and conflict. You don't want to look for people that are just yes people. You don't want to have people in the room that say to you um, things like, um, you know, whatever you say, I'm for I remember one time I intentionally, I had to make a big decision, and I, I brought in several leaders that were really high-level leaders. I mean, every one of them didn't need me. They didn't need any of the things I wanted to do. And I remember having them in a room together, and they were hilarious. They were calling each other names. They were going back and forth. I mean, it was just the, the energy and the electricity in that room was just up. Now, we made good decisions, but I remember how they would talk to one another. And then they'd get up and shake hands with one another, pat each other on the back, walk out the door, hey, Bill, thanks for having us over. Man, we're glad we could help. And I was like, man, if you didn't know and you just eavesdrop, you'd think those people hated each other because they were back and forth. I wouldn't do that. That's the dumbest decision. Yeah, you're the one to talk. And they were going back and forth. And I thought, we got an argument here. But they were high level. In fact, one of the guys had 16,000 employees. Another had about 10. And so they were just used to solving problems. So the more they charged at each other, I was getting the answers, but I was enjoying the not the conflict, but the sport of it. I said, man, I can't believe he talks to him that way. And I can't believe this guy sees it that way. And that guy just used a whole lot of profanity here. And, and I mean, he called everything but his mother a name. And, and yet when he got through, we got, some, we got some solutions. And so what I say is don't get just yes people. You don't need that. You need people that will tell you the truth, even if it hurts or defends you. Here's, here's along this line. List all the possible courses of action. Think, there's usually several ways to solve a problem. Um, it was Al Dunlap. They called him Chainsaw Al. He was, I read his book one time. He was fabulous. But he, um, he used to say there's a thousand and one ways to solve a problem. 
Now, what he was trying to do is just get to expand. He was trying to get you to think further than just one set way. And he'd say, think of a thousand and one ways. And whenever I keep that in my mind and I'm looking at a problem, I'll say, okay, there's a thousand and one ways to solve this problem. And I start writing it down. I'll usually come up with many. I'll never get to a thousand, but I'll get a lot more by being able to think there are more ways to solve this than just this one answer. So list all your actions. Number four, choose the best solution to the problem. Now, that may seem obvious, but a lot of people don't do it. Here's why. A lot of people choose the cheapest solution. What's going to cost me the least? What's going to be the most inexpensive? And by the way, just because it's cheap don't mean it's best, okay? Uh, sometimes paying a little more will get you better. Uh, just because it's not as messy. That, you know, sometimes we don't want to make the best solution because that one causes too much problems or pushback. So we'll make a real gentle one. Uh, the secret is find the best way and don't settle for an easy answer. Number five, you got to implement and execute the decision. Now, what I mean by that is this. A lot of people have a lot of information, but they never done anything. They just never done anything. I, and, and I'm more interested in the people that have done it than I am the people that tell me how it can be done, okay? I never talked about my children when I was a pastor until they were 18 years of age. I mean, most, there were people that come to our church for years and say, I know y'all got three kids. With all three of those years, they'd sit on the front row. But I never talked about it for a reason. Debbie and I used to say, no, they're young enough, they could still disappoint us, and they'd ruined everything. So until they've, <laughs> until they've finally done it, I'm not talking about how to do it until they've done it, okay? Because I ain't got no credibility. I mean, how would I be able to say to somebody, here's what you do with the kids, and you say, you look at yours, you know? And so I said, I'm never going to talk about it. I never talked about financial freedom until I got financial free. I remember people used to get mad at me earlier, and they'd say, you need to be talking about financial freedom. And I would say, when I am financially free, I can do that. You don't want somebody pushing on something to you that they hadn't done. And so same thing with business. Until we took a volunteer organization and went from where we were at 32 to several, several thousand, debt-free, a million dollars a year to missions and all that, that you, you don't export something that you can't have. You, you want to you make sure if it don't work at home, don't, don't market it. So you want to make certain that you execute. And here's the big problem. A lot of people never execute anything. They know all the answers. They hear it all. They absorb it all. But they never act on it. And so making a decision means finding out what you have to do and acting on that decision. And by the way, you could go make one decision today and make a difference. Just one. Figure out what that one is. And say, I'm going to make that one choice today. Some of you, by the way, Valentine's Day is coming up. You men, let me just say, you can order some flowers today, not wait till then, run over to Walmart late at night. I bet you, you would have a great weekend. Now, when I'm going to implement a decision, here's what you do. Identify the job that's got to be done. Look at the resources. What's it going to cost us? What do we need? And then who's going to be accountable? Always assign it to somebody. If you don't assign it to somebody, you're going to meet again next month, and you're going to say, did we ever get it done? Well, I don't know. Did we ever? No, put it on somebody's back. This is the job. Here's what we want done. Here's the resources, and here's the name of the person that that monkey belongs to. And so you fix that. You feed that. You take care of that, but that one's yours. Number six, evaluate the results. Now, when I say that, I mean this. I, I have a question. My phrase is this. Did we move the ball? That's all. Not every decision you make is going to give you radical change. But you just want to know, did we move the ball? Did we go forward today? That's the key. And so that's, that's the only... In fact, uh, Brent has taken over that at the church then, 
And we'll talk, and they'll sometimes he'll ask me a question about something. I'll say, did you move the ball? Now, I don't mean did a thousand people come today or did a, you know, did a hundred did a volunteer or did a hundred people get saved today? I just want to know, did we move the ball? Was today a day where we moved further? And if we did, that's a win. Every team that plays sports, they don't go out there and hit home runs every time. They don't go out there and score foot, uh, touchdown every time. They move the ball little by little, but that's the secret to it. So they evaluate the results by saying, are we getting what we want? Have we moved the ball? And then number seven, here's the final one I'll give you. This one right here is the key to finding your fulfillment in life. Make adding value the most important measure of your success. Of your success, make adding value the most important. Now, adding value means this. You can do it every day. Think of it this. Each day, you want to have a good day every day of your life? Add value every day. Add value. That's all you got. If you want to know if you got a win today, text somebody. Just take a moment text somebody. Did you know I was thinking about you, um, praying for you, love you, wish you the best, went through... Add value. If you do it to one person a day, at the end of the year, you did it to 352, and on top of that is you'll find at the end of the day, if nothing else, I got something accomplished today. I encouraged them or helped them or was with them. That's what I called somebody the other day. They're, they're about to unplug one of their loved ones at a life support machine. And about the same time I thought about it, I thought, man, I'm out of there in another place. But I called and said, I just said, you know, I just want to talk to you. They said, thank you. We're about to walk in that room right now. You don't know what this means. We were saying, we wish we had a sign. And all of a sudden, you're calling. And, and I mean, at that moment, when I went to bed that night, I said, you know, that was a worthwhile call. It took one minute. But in that one minute, somebody will remember that for the rest of their life. And I'm saying to you, you can add value today. It don't have to be the, the biggest thing in the world. I have a brother-in-law who I remember we were driving together one day down his street. We were driving there in Sarasota where he lives, and all of a sudden, he turned the car and went kind of slow and let his window down. And there was this girl, and she was jogging. And he turned to that girl, and when he turned to that girl, here's what he said. He said, uh, and she's jogging, he's just riding her slow. He said, you are doing awesome. Good night. You're doing six miles an hour. You better slow down, girl. And he's, and he's just going on. And so we drove off, and I said, that's nice of you. And he's not necessarily the most personable guy, and so, you know, real abrupt, choleric, and, and I said, uh, that was nice of you. What got into you? And then he turned to me, and he said, Bill, her father died about six months ago. He said, she doesn't have a brother or sister. Her mother's working. He said, and she's overweight, and she's been being belittled at school, and a lot of friends are just piling on, and he said, I don't want that girl to go do something to herself and harm herself, and he said, so I intentionally come home every day at this time just because I got her running. And he said, her mother and I sit down and got her running. And he said, and, and I intentionally come this way every day just to encourage her. Even if I don't have anything to do, I drive down that street at that time when I know she's running just because I want to put that in her. That's called adding value. Find some way to add value today. Take care of a customer. Maybe today you've got a client you just want to do something a little extra for. Do something to add value. My basic principle, here's what Theodore Hesburgh said. My basic principle is that you don't make decisions because they are easy. You don't make them because they're cheap. You don't make them because they're popular. You make them because they're right. So that's the word to you today. That go make some decisions today. Make a decision to start making some decisions. God bless you. Thanks for being here. 
Thank you for tuning into this month's BP Leadership Lesson. Each month, we share these lessons at a live luncheon to anyone in the Columbus, Georgia area. If you would like more information on dates and times of our upcoming luncheons, you can visit bpleadership.com.